Hello, and welcome to the Bloodstream Podcast, a show serving the greater bleeding disorders community brought to you by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. I'm your patient, advocate, and host, Patrick James Lynch. And I'm your healthcare advocate, nonprofit nerd, and other host, Amy Board, reminding you to please speak with a healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. On today's show, we have the latest installment of our Let's Talk Mental Health segment brought to you once again, and as always, by the illustrious Joshua Sterling Bragg, as well as our first interview in a short series of interviews that we are doing in honor of Black History Month, interviews that were conducted by Bloodstream Zone. James Maple, the first of which is with none other than, I'm going to call her a community icon. Uh, I don't know who's defining what an icon is. I have no, I haven't checked the boards, but hey, if it's me. It tracks though. Connie Montgomery, community yes. icon, our first uh, in the series of Black History Month interviews. And never a boring listen. Our zero times Montgomery. has zero she been times. boring to listen to. Boring? You've got both of those wonderful segments and more. Coming up on today's episode, welcome to Bloodstream. Listeners, as always, thank you for joining Patrick and I here on Bloodstream. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on social media. We're always, we're on all the things. We really are. And (laughs) listeners, I also would like to remind you that the Bloodstream podcast is made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Yes, that's right, Takeda. (laughs) Takeda's got this website, bleedingdisorders.com, where you can learn all about Takeda's (laughs) resources for and commitment to the bleeding disorders community. You know, Takeda believes in a world free of bleeds, Amy Ward, Mm -hmm. as do I. Mm -hmm. And Takeda, they're dedicated more than ever in their efforts to offer a wide range of programs and support to help patients throughout their treatment journey wherever on that journey they may be. You, dear listener, can learn more by simply visiting bleedingdisorders.com. One more time, though it's probably unnecessary, bleedingdisorders.com. And for their founding and ongoing support of the Bloodstream podcast, I would just like to say... Thanks, Takeda. Thanks, Takeda. Okay, Amy Board, we got a great interview with Connie that James led. We've got the Let's Talk segment with Mr. Joshua Sterling Bragg. But before we get to either of those, I just want to take a moment, dear friend, to check in with you. How are you, Miss Amy Board? How are you at the start of February? I'm doing great. You know, we talk here on Bloodstream about casting opportunities, and we do have a a casting opportunity that is really unique for um, the older generation of those Mm -hmm. in our community. We had our first interview this past weekend for um, a documentary film that we are producing and directing and all of the things um, by a grant from Santa Fe Genzyme. And it was absolutely wonderful to be there. We were in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Can't go wrong. It was raining, so it it did not show up as as advertised. No, but it was wonderful. And so um, just want to kind of put the feelers out, uh, listeners. If you know someone who has a compelling story who maybe not has not had the ability or the opportunity, I should say, to Mm. uh, tell their story. Um, We're looking at gentlemen and women like in their 60s and 70s. Contact us, mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com. Contact me on social media, or you can uh, email me directly here at Believe. And we would love to just have kind of a conversation with you. No strings attached. Um, But yeah, just it might be a cool thing. You know, we talk about it all the time. We're casting things. It's true. Sometimes it probably would help if we 
spent a little more time maybe naming one of the things we're currently casting just yeah. to make it more specific for people. So that's the one today. Yeah, it's the one today. If you or someone you know is an older person living with hemophilia whose story has not gotten out there, at least in a sufficient <laughs> way, contact us, mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com. I don't know why I did that. But <laughs> it's amazing. You. Keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> I'm, glad. I'm glad you mentioned all that. I want to hear more about that shoot, but we should do that. Off mic, because we got two great segments to get to. The first is going to be the interview with Connie Montgomery, which James himself is going to introduce here in just a moment, along with why we're doing this series to begin with. So with no further ado, let me pass the virtual microphone over to James Maple. Hi, James Maple. Hi, friends. Oh, you're back on Bloodstream. I am, and I have lots to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about this. Tell me about your conversations that you've had for Black History Month uh, with some of the luminaries in our community. Connie Montgomery is going to be up today. What was it like for you and all the things? What are listeners going to be able to hear? To glean from the conversation. You know, I think that Doing this was a was a was a great eye opening experience for me as someone yeah. who doesn't have a bleeding disorder. Yeah, my connection to it is oftentimes like a, a bit distanced. But I am a black man, so I related to them in that in that capacity. Yeah, it was cool to see um, their perspective of things as like a black American living with a bleeding disorder. In particular, Connie, um, you all to our audience, you may remember Connie from our DEI panel at BDC twenty twenty two. Um, as I said before, and I say again, talking to Connie is like a, uh, it's like a warm embrace. It's like a mother's hug, <laughs> if you know. will. It's just always great to hear yeah. her perspective, her stories, her outlook on life. So I'd say definitely speaking with her was, was it was just great to reconnect with her just in general. It's, like I said, it's always a pleasure to hear her. But to hear the stories she, story she tells, I should say, and uh, more importantly, the history that she is um, so entrenched in um, was it is always a uh, a broadening experience for me, and I think it will be for the listeners as well. That's fantastic. And what can we anticipate as the month of February goes along? I would say the this Black History Month um, entertainment, excuse me, Black History Month um, interview series, I should say. You can expect um, lots of perspective, mm. lots of insight, a, a bit of nuance, some comedy um, coming from Bobby. <laughs> always funny. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, uh, Bobby. We love you, Bobby. Bobby wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I really hope that people get a, a, a small uh, snapshot into like the experience of uh, a marginalized group of people that have found community within the community itself. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that people uh, learn and grow and, and most importantly, listen. That's awesome. Well, let's get to it. James Maple's interview with Connie Montgomery right now. Hello, Bloodstream. It is your new best friend and Bloodstream correspondent, James Maple, here with one of my favorite guests, Miss Connie Montgomery. Hello, Connie. How are you? Hello, James. I'm doing well today. And yourself? I'm great. Thank you. If you could, before we jump into the interview, just give us a quick rundown of who you are, Miss Connie Montgomery. Well, my name is Connie Montgomery. I'm from South Carolina, and I am a member of the bleeding disorders community. I am factor seven deficient, and I've been very active in the bleeding disorders community for many years, for about 15, 16 years. And I absolutely love being involved with the community. Um, I've traveled across the nation speaking at various chapters and conferences and events, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today. 
Excellent. Thank you. So speaking of perfect segue, let's jump right into things. So my first question for you, Connie, uh, is in, within the context of the bleeding disorder space, what does black history mean to you? Well, I have to be honest with you, James. I look at black history as American history, first and foremost, our culture, our skills and our ways of doing life was interwoven into the fabric of America when we were involuntarily brought here to the shores of America. Then, uh, forced to be enslaved in this new land, we've seen improvements in the human condition of black people in America, but we truly still have a ways to go to experience even health care for bleeding disorders individuals at the level of care our counterparts receive. Still, in 2023, the black mom and baby experienced three times the mortality uh, death rate as compared to our white mothers and babies. That rate is probably significantly higher among black women in the bleeding disorders community. I just have not read or seen evidence-based research to support my hypothesis. The COVID-19 pandemic illuminated that fact of healthcare disparities that has always existed for underrepresented, unserved, and disenfranchised Black people. Therefore, for 365 days a year, seven days per week, we as Black Americans with bleeding disorders are still experiencing significant difficulty being heard and seen in healthcare. For years, other folks has not or have been slow to recognize our invaluable contributions to whatever endeavors we as Black folks participate in. But we know our value. Black folks have participated in many things in this country and developed many things. And Black history is essential to be recognized in all facets of life to get the full masterpiece picture of humanity in America. As always, Connie, you take us to church every time we speak. Thank you so much. I think that leads us finally to the next question, actually. And you've alluded to it a bit in your answer. What are some obstacles, uh, aside from the ones you just mentioned, that you think uh, Black Americans face within the bleeding disorder? And secondarily, of those obstacles, what are some ways or there are community members, organizations that exist that can help uh, black Americans within the bleeding disorder space uh, kind of overcome those obstacles? Well, I just have to share with you, um, there are many things that I think black Americans have experienced in the bleeding disorders community. And I first want to highlight where this information comes from. It comes from the 15 years of me traveling around the country, listening at workshops and chapter events and annual conferences, what black people um, have had to share, what they've had to state. They've stated how difficult it is for them to get diagnosed. I've heard um, horror stories about physicians and practitioners not believing their symptomology and the information they've shared. As a matter of fact, that's a part of my own story. I was 36 years old um, in my mid-30s after a car accident when I properly got diagnosed after the bleeding would not stop. Um, So I really want to highlight 
the fact that a lot of black people, especially black women out here, are having a time getting a proper diagnosis when it comes to their rare bleeding disorder. Because historically, they thought that white men, Jewish men, um, and particularly were the only ones that experienced bleeding disorders and hemophilia. So when black women um, started coming forth, um, presenting with this symptomology and these symptoms, it took a long time to get a diagnosis. And then after getting a diagnosis, getting proper intervention and treatment was another um, job. And also finding others like yourself within the community was far and few between when I first got diagnosed. So all of these different barriers um, played a major role in how I handled, lived with, and dealt with my bleeding disorder. And from the voices of others traveling around this country, Black people, them as well. Great, great. Um, I have another question for you in regard to the kind of evolution of Black History Month. How have you seen it change um, throughout the years? And, and, and do you see a, a path forward that we can um, talk and enrich the conversations around Black history into American history at large, as you said? Absolutely. You know, because American history, James, does not exist without Black history. You know, when our ancestors were brought here to America, to the shores of America involuntarily, um, they experienced a lot. But many of them, we stand on their shoulders today because they rose and overcame a great deal of difficulty. And yes, we have a ways to go, but we are all working and a work in progress with that. Um, in our designated or specialty areas, whether you, media, myself, healthcare advocacy, especially for the patient, all of us are doing our part in some way. And though many may not see it, it's absolutely happening. Yes, not just on the HBCU campuses where we have our um, Black fraternities and sororities, but um, in our communities, in our little villages at home, you know, you have the grandmothers who are staying home helping with the little ones so the parents can go out and work. Everybody is doing their part in the Black community to help um, various ones rise. But we need to have others out in this community, in this nation, in this world, see our contributions and see how valuable they are. Now, Black History Month, it started uh, many, many years ago. Really, Carter G. Woodson in 1915 started trying to get uh, folk aware of Negro contributions, Negroes' contributions to this country. And so in Illinois, he had a um, event where he celebrated uh, the accomplishments and endeavors of Black people's contributions and the struggles that we went through to get to that point. And he saw a large turnout from there. And from that point on, in 1926, this Omega Sci-Fi gentlemen started to have a National Negro Week in which he celebrated the accomplishments of Black people and all the great things we had done up until that point. And um, it was very successful. A lot of people came out to the National Negro Week. And from that point on, I think it was in 1926 and onward, 
that a professor at Texas A&M, Dr. Brizard, started turning the National Negro Week into a month-long celebration. And for that month-long celebration, he celebrated the accomplishments of Black people and all that they had contributed to the American uh, country and economy. And um, that was a wonderful thing. And I think for our future, we have got to uh, share that information with our youth and our youngsters so they know who they are and how valuable they are. Um, And so they continue to do great things in this nation, as well as with our counterparts and friends of other ethnicities. So they know, you know, what we are bringing to the table, which is greatness. Um, And uh, I'm very proud of uh, the accomplishments of black people in this country. Well, that actually perfectly leads me to my next question for you. Let's let's start that tradition right now, that future tradition right now. I want you to tell me what's a black history fact that you wish more people knew about? I would have to say that all black Americans, because we originated from Africa, we are all daughters and sons of kings and queens. Therefore, we are royalty. And so that helps folk treat you hopefully more humanely. Excellent. And kindly. Yes. You can't forget kindness. Never. My last question for you, Miss Connie, um, as a black as a black American, as a black woman, as an American, what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered as Connie Montgomery? I want to be remembered that I contributed in a positive way to humanity. I want to be remembered like the Phyllis Wheatleys and the Maya Angelos of this world. I want to be remembered as someone who contributed good to this nation. And I've started that by writing books um, about uh, and dedicated to my mother and to my mom uh, that raised me, Willette G. Montgomery, and to my mom. Uh, my owner Wilcox Gaskins that raised me. Those women gave back in so many ways. I stand on there and so many other shoulders today because they gave of their life, their time and their resources. And I want to be remembered that way. And I just wrote a book entitled, You're Not Just a Number, Putting Care Back Into Healthcare. And there is the book. This book is so important because it outlines my bleeding disorders medical history, but it also outlines the history of black people in healthcare. And I wrote it with a colleague of mine who's a radiation therapist that travels across the country. She's a locum. That's the proper term. Her name is Risa Talbert. And both of us wrote this book thinking about the experiences we had in healthcare as patients experiences we've had as caregivers to family members who needed health care and our own personal journeys as healthcare practitioners. I being an occupational therapist retired and she being a radiation therapist. Um, we want the world to know definitely how important it is to give back. And that's our contribution. I thank you for your time, Connie. Everyone, please go check out her book. You're not just a number. As always, Connie, thank you for your time, for your contributions, and we will speak with you soon. 
I look forward to it, James Maple. Thank you so much for today. Thank you, James Maple, as always. And thank you, of course, to Connie Montgomery for that fantastic conversation. Uh, Please join us here on Bloodstream for the entire month of February. James is going to be having phenomenal conversations in honor of Black History Month. So we're so excited about that. Um, Another topic that we prioritize here on Bloodstream, of course, is mental health. So uh, let's get to another Let's Talk segment. This one is great. We actually hear from community member Mike Hargett as he speaks uh, with Joshua Sterling Bragg about his physical trauma, having multiple organ transplants and the damage that it did to his body. And Josh also talks about making a breakthrough with physical exercise as he's been traveling. He's done stuff for the first time in two years coming out of the pandemic and how we all might be struggling to shed that emotional weight, as well as the trauma of that pandemic time. So it's going to be a great segment. Uh, As you know, everybody, Let's Talk is a partnership between Bloodstream Media and Sanofi, and it aims to create an environment where we can have open, honest conversations about mental health in the bleeding disorder community. Let's Talk strives to shed light on the topics that are often invisible and not spoken of in the community and to share tips on how to care for your or a loved one's mental health. If you or someone you know has experienced feelings that have impacted your mental health, talk to your healthcare provider and find educational resources at letstalkmh.com. Sanofi is proud to sponsor this podcast segment because they believe that each of us has a story. Visit shareyourwhy.com to meet the Sanofi core team and to hear from them and members of the community about their story and passion for the hemophilia community. All right, here we go, everybody. Here's Joshua Sterling Bragg with another segment of Let's Talk. January took off like a starter pistol. With the thunderous clamor of the new year still echoing in the clouds, I was off on my way, shooting through the sky like a bullet towards Senegal. Well, we had a couple layovers, so first to Chicago, then to Brussels, and then to Senegal, to film evidence of the disparity of healthcare in low-income countries and the magnitude of help that can be served through large donations of medicine. The trip was a short four days of filming, and then like a ricochet, I was back in the air, speeding towards, well, you know, Brussels, and then Newark, and then L.A., where I am now doing laundry, repacking, and getting ready to fly out again in just three more days to the Dominican Republic. Then L.A., then London, and a bunch of domestic trips in between. Malaysia will be in there at some point. It's hard for me to keep track of where I'm going next. Well, so anyway, at one point during the first trip, I found myself standing in my hotel room preparing to do yoga for the first time in who knows how long, and setting the intention of being ready. Ready for change. Ready for motion. Ready to let go of the pandemic mentality and get ready to thrive, not just in work, but in my personal life as well. And despite the shared trauma of the past few years and the lasting effects that linger today, I did end up finding myself ready. Let's talk. I feel like that trauma in any form, whether it's, it's, it's physical trauma, mental trauma, can be handled differently. And even though I have had trauma, it doesn't define who I am. This is Mike Hargett, and Mike knows trauma. The trauma I've experienced as, you know, as a kid with hemophilia, lots of ankle bleeds, lots of uh, blood transfusions. I have a heart transplant, a kidney transplant. I um, have osteoporosis because of prednisone because of transplant. So everything is kind of compacting and all that has trauma associated with it. So being that I've experienced a lot, I also have a lot of help. 
I have a lot of counselors. I have a lot of psychiatrists. I'm not afraid to talk about my feelings. That trauma has uh, led to something beautiful out of it. Being able to have the trauma, go through it, live in it, like chew it up, spit it out, and come out the other side better than when I had the trauma, if that makes sense. Okay, so maybe Mike's been through more than I have, considering I'm talking about the last few years of immobility, depression, and isolation due to COVID-19, and he's literally had multiple organs taken out of his body and replaced. But that doesn't mean my journey is any less valid or my feelings are any less challenging to manage. We can't discount our own experiences just because someone else was dealt different cards. So there I am, standing on my yoga mat in my hotel room, setting the intention for being ready when my mind goes into full glitch mode. I'm thinking about all the bad decisions I've made the last few years to be lazy, to eat poorly, to drink excessively. I'm thinking about the weight that I've gained and how good I used to be at yoga when I was doing it every single day for like 200 days. I'm panicking. So I just reach forward with my big toe towards the space bar of my laptop, which is on the ground in front of my yoga mat, and I hit play, screaming in my mind, I want to be ready. My mind continues to race. I know I'm going into a chaotic shoot filled with unknowns. This is the first international trip in a while. I'm not used to holding a camera. I'm not used to even standing all day or lighting scenes, all these things that I used to do. And it's not just the work. It's the physical state of my body, the size of my belly, the, the weakness of my arms and legs rotting. I've been rotting on the couch and I have no one to blame but me. I did this. And it would be so easy just to continue, to not torture myself by failing at yoga, but put on my bathrobe and get in bed and watch another movie or TV show or another straight hour or two of TikToks. But I already hit play. So I submit and I let the YouTube yoga instructor tell me what to do. And slowly but surely, I do it too. And that's where I found myself, chewing and moving forward, one movement at a time. Tabletop, cat-cow, pushing up into a plank, lowering to the floor and curving my back into cobra, flowing back and lifting my hips high into downward-facing dog, stepping to the front of the mat and root to rise, lifting my hands to the sky. Well, hotel ceiling. It wasn't perfect. Heck, it probably wasn't even close. But it was forward motion. After two years of saying I was going to get back into it, because yoga benefited me so much, because the kindness of giving myself space to move, to heal, to grow strong, led to a waterfall of self-care. It opened me up to therapy, which led me to biking, which made me feel like a little kid again. It gave me inward thinking and reflection. It gave me a barrier between work and home. It gave me quiet. Yoga gave me so much. And as I worked through the first video of a 30-day playlist to get me back on track, it was not all good. The dark thoughts came back, and I acknowledged them, and I almost quit. My body couldn't hold all the moves. The flexibility was no longer there. But instead of quitting and crying and mourning my previous healthy self as a place I'll never get back to, I made a few variations and completed the practice. In fact, afterwards, I even did some resistance band work as well. This was a monumental moment for me, one that I'd been after for a long time. The weight of depression, the weight of having given in to so many bad habits, to mask the hurt of seeing the world fall apart the past few years, shedding that emotional weight will take work, and it will take time, maybe just as long as shedding a few pounds. But gradually, by listening to my body and my mind and gifting my future self a little bit of kindness, I'll get there, one step at a time. 
Thank you to Mike for sharing a bit of his journey. And thank you to Amy and Patrick for giving me a place to talk about such things. Talking can be so healing. If you are on a mental health journey and are looking for a place to get started, check out letstalkmh.com and click resources. Next episode, Jessica will dive deeper into the topic of trauma in her segment, The Well. And as for us, let's talk next month. Okay, thank you to Joshua Sterling Bragg. Thank you to Connie Montgomery. And thank you to James Maple for contributing to this episode. What a great little breakout. Yes. Our first pop-up breakout standalone, whatever you want to call it of the year, was a strong one. It's great. Um, and we've got our regularly scheduled episode coming out next Friday, February the 10th. Amy, what can you tell us about that episode? Oh, we're talking Washington Day's community. <laughs> oh, it's in person. Finally, we have Nathan Schaefer, who is the vice president of public policy at NHF. He has been on the show before. We love him. He talks all things Washington Days, what we can anticipate um, now that we're back in person. And actually, they have like their issues all set. So if, if you are thinking of attending, it is a must listen. And if you're not thinking of attending, this is a great way that that you can be connected to what's going yes. on there. As Amy just mentioned, what are the issue issues of priority interest that people will be talking about in these rooms? You can then know what's going on, maybe f- learn about what's happening on your state level, maybe get prepared for state days if yes. you can't go to national, federal, Washington days. Um, also, we said it earlier about Connie, never a boring listen, never <laughs> yeah. a bad listen, which <laughs> never true. Nathan, also true. Also true. Always an entertaining listen. Phenomenal, always well-prepared like, yeah, that guy is a walking soundbite. <laughs> so come back next week for the walking soundbite. And with that, <laughs> that is all for this episode. As always, listeners, remember to subscribe to, listen to, and share episodes of the Bloodstream Podcast with friends, family, colleagues, anybody you know. And if you are a loved one in the Bleeding Disorders community, is a musician. And you'd like to share your songs and story for the new segment that we are working on, email us mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com. And you can also use mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com to inquire about storytelling and casting opportunities, especially the older generation. Especially the older guys. Oh, and our bleeding disorders community. I know who you are, and I know maybe you listen to this. Don't make me come after you and tell you to be in this thing. I'm so fun to talk to you sometimes. (laughs) Just email me at bloodstream. That's what I'm going to start using. I am so fun to talk to sometimes. (laughs) I like bullying people into it. I'm like, I am so fun to talk to. Please participate. I think that sometimes, though, is... (laughs) I know. I think that's the key. It's telling. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. All right, listeners, I'm your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I'm your other host, Amy Bourne. And until next time, which is next Friday, take self-care of yourself. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.